Well, let's open the scriptures to First John. First <clears throat> John, chapter one. to zero in on verse 5 this evening. And this is the message we have, we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. But I think it would be profitable to read the context and also to read the verses that come after that because I'm going to deal with those also. So uh, let's just read the, uh, the first chapter. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we beheld and our hands handled concerning the word of life, and the word was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. What we have seen and heard we proclaim to you also, that you also may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write so that our joy may be made complete. And this is the message we have heard from him and announced to you, that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. And why don't we go on here and just read a couple verses in chapter 2. My little children, I am writing these things to you that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is a propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would grant us understanding, you'd grant us illumination, light, as we look at these verses. Speak to us now, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. All right. John tells us here that the message that he and the other apostles heard from Christ and announced to others could be summarized this way. And this is an amazing statement. He says, this, here's a summary of our message, what we heard from Christ and what we've announced. God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. Is that the way you normally think of summation of the gospel? 
Well, John says that's that's the message. This is the message we've heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Now, John is using the words light and darkness here in an ethical sense. He's not saying that God is a being that's made up of wavelengths and photons. Um, We know that just from the simple fact of light is a creation of God. Uh, It was the first of God's creative acts. Let there be light. And we're told that he's the father of lights. That is, he's the source of all light. But, of course, God is infinitely greater than anything he's created, including light. Nevertheless, as you read through the Bible, you find out that light is often associated with many manifestations of God. Uh, Psalm 104, verse 2, tells us that light is God's garment-like covering. First um, Timothy 6.16 tells us that God dwells in unapproachable light. And then in the book of Revelation, we're given a description of heaven in which we're told that the city has no need of the sun or the moon to shine upon it, for the glory of God shall illumine it, and its lamp is the Lamb. So that's just a few verses of many that talk about uh, light in association with God. But in verse 5 here of chapter 1 of 1 John, we're dealing with something beyond the light by which we see physical objects. That's not what God's talking about here when he says God is light. Um, This verse, to put it another way, the verse does not mean that God equals visible light. That is not what that verse means. Or that light is God. Can't mean that. Uh, So what are we talking about? This verse is a description of God's moral character as it was proclaimed and manifested in and through Jesus Christ. God is light means his character is absolutely pure. It means that he is completely sinless. It means that he's glorious in holiness. It means he's the perfect standard of all goodness and truth and beauty. Now, when we think about visible light, one thing that it does, it reveals things. When you turn the lights on, you see. And in Christ, we have been given a revelation of what the character of God is really like. He is light, and in him there's no darkness at all. The work and words of Christ that that we have recorded for us in the scriptures, uh, in those we see the radiance of God's glory showing forth. In the character of Christ, we see the radiance of God's glory shown forth. In Christ, we see the goodness, the holiness, the love, the truth, the righteousness, the purity of God the Father made visible. That's what light does. It makes things visible. 
we see that in God there is no darkness at all. No lies, no impurity, no sinfulness, no evil, no untruth, nothing unloving, nothing unrighteous. In him there is no darkness at all. There's no mixture of light and darkness. He, uh, he has, we're told, no fellowship with darkness. These realms do not overlap. They do not intermingle. Uh, he is pure, undiluted light with no variation or shadow of turning. Now, for me, it was kind of helpful to have these things in a diagram. So I think you might picture what John is saying here, uh, something like what I've done on the board here. So let me put this up. The, the light's right. <laughs> uh, two circles representing two realms or two spheres. There's a realm of light. That's God. That's God's realm. And the realm of darkness, that would be the Satan's realm, the realm of the fallen, this fallen world, the realm of fallen mankind. In this realm, you have truth and purity and goodness, righteousness, holiness, life. There's other things that could be put in there, but these are some of the main ones that come out in this little epistle of 1 John. In the realm of darkness, you have lies, impurity, hatred, unrighteousness, sinfulness, and death. Um, this is the realm of sight where the light is. That's the realm of blindness where the darkness is. So, two realms, two spheres, and they have nothing in common, you see. There's no overlap. They don't intersect, you know. They don't come together there's no mixture but here's the thing Satan is constantly trying to confuse darkness with light and light with darkness consequently there are three false claims that John deals with in the next few verses the verses that we read each of these false views are introduced with the clause if we say, you see it in verse 6 and verse 8 and verse 10. If we say, and I won't read those again because we already read them, but just as we go through each one, let's look at verse 8 or verse 6. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. What's he saying? Well, he's saying this is a false claim. And that is that we can have fellowship with God while we walk in darkness. Now, it's important to understand what he means by that word walk. Walk here is the idea of practicing, of habitually living in that realm. 
just to use the diagram here, in the ordinary course of life, if the ordinary course of our life is in that realm there, yet we claim to have fellowship in this realm here, John says, that's impossible. It can't be. Because God is light, and in Him there's no darkness at all. And you can't be living in that realm and fellowshipping in this realm. It's impossible. That's what he's saying. In contrast to this false claim, there is the person who walks in this realm, you see, those who da- whose daily behavior reflects something of the character of God, something of truth and purity and goodness and righteousness and holiness. I'm not talking about perfectly, but something of, of that character. Well, if you walk in that realm, that's when you have fellowship with God. These people have true fellowship with fellow believers. That's what he says here. Um, but if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. We have fellowship with true believers. And that fellowship is, of course, grounded in the fact that true believers have fellowship with the Father and with the Son. That's what he said up above back in verse 3, that you also may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So... Within that circle, it's in that circle right there, that the blood of Christ cleanses from all sin. If we walk in the light, God has made provision to cleanse us from whatever sin would otherwise mar our fellowship with him and with others. If you walk in the light, if that's the characteristic of your life, then um, you know something of your own frailty and you're constantly seeing your need of availing yourself of the cleansing power of Christ if you're in there. Now, if you're over here, you don't see that. You're blind to that. Over here, you see that. You see how much you need Christ daily. Uh, Even the holiest of Christians needs the purifying power of Christ's death for their life every day. Now that leads me to the next false claim found in verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. Now you... When he says say, it may not, he's probably not saying that we'd necessarily say it with our mouth, but it's the idea of, of having this thought, thinking this way, thinking that we have no sin in our lives, that we don't sin. Now, you say, that's kind of a foreign concept. Well, yeah, it is if you're there, but it's not if you're over there. Um... One of the manifestations of this attitude was found when 
people claim to have reached a advanced state of spiritual development where their where moral principles are no longer relevant now this was apparently what was going on with something there was apparently some type of form of gnosticism that john was having to fight against when he wrote this letter and what was being said there was false teachers were telling people that uh, what might be sin for people of a lesser mature stage in their development was not sin for them or for these completely spiritual people. You actually find that sometimes yet in modern day cults where the cult leader and certain others are beyond this thing that was sin before, but now they're not. They don't sin when they do it. Uh, so there must have been something like that, that that John was dealing with, people claiming to have reached an advanced stage of spiritual development where moral principles are no longer relevant. They've gotten beyond good and evil. evil. Another manifestation of that type of attitude would be the claim would be the claim that a person can be perfectly sanctified and live without sin. Now, it's possible that this idea comes because you believe that because you're in this realm, uh, you're like God, perfectly sinless, uh, pure and sinless like God. It's not that you've advanced beyond the normal categories of good and evil. It's just that uh, you've actually become totally good in all your ways and thoughts. And you say, that's, that's incredible. Well, it's incredible, but some people say that about themselves. People actually claim this. I think sometimes it, it happens just because of a confusing of justification, which is complete in a person's life if they're a Christian, a confusing of that with sanctification, which is not complete in this life. But for, for whatever reason it happens, uh, John has a simple answer to this uh, claim, and that is, you're deceived. If you think you're not sinning, if you have no sin, you're just deceived. You're deceiving yourself, and the truth is not in you. Um, let me see that in verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So, the antidote to this false claim is to realize that only God is sinless. Only God is sinless. And the truth about ourselves is that we are sinners in need of a Savior. We need forgiveness. We need cleansing. And uh, if we don't feel that, if we don't know that and feel it and confess really from the very depths of our being that, uh, that that's the case, then... I'd have to say we're still over in, in the darkness realm. And that is true no matter what
claims of experience you've had, if you don't feel your need for Christ right now for forgiveness and cleansing, you're still over there. Those in the realm of light over here see their great and ongoing need of Christ's forgiveness and cleansing. Well, that was the first claim. The second, the next one, is in verse 10. Actually, that's the the next one, verse 10. Uh, It's very similar to the one in verse 8, but I don't think it's identical. It might be, but I, I'm, I just think there's, that John is making a small distinction here. In verse 10, he says it this way, If we say we have not sinned, one is saying we have no sin, one say we have not sinned. There's a difference to say, it's different to say that right now you're sinless than to say that you've never sinned. Never and you say, well, that, what kind of claim? That's an incredible claim. Never sinned? Who would claim that? Multitudes. Multitudes, especially in this age when we're told that there are no absolute standards of morals, uh, no absolute good or evil. Consequently, the very idea of sin is mocked. You've never sinned because there is no such thing as sin. Never sinned. That's what a lot of people believe. Because, you know, there's no, uh, no God, no standard of right and wrong. There's no sin. But it's not just the moral relativists, the humanists and others that hold that position. There are actually religions that teach that there is no such thing as sin. Whole, there's uh, certain cults that teach that in Christianity. And then there's whole world religions that teach that there's no such thing as sin. We're not sinful, we're just ignorant or unenlightened or unfortunate. Well, such a position is in total contrast to what God has said in his word and what he's written on the human heart. Any honest person knows that's not true. Any person that picks up the Bible and reads it knows that's not true. Uh, This book is all about sin and God's way of saving sinners. So to deny our sinfulness is to say that God is a liar. And that's what John brings out here. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And his word is not in us. This whole book is about sin and righteousness and judgment to come. So to take that position is to say that God is a liar. And it certainly shows that his word is not in us. 
Now, John wrote these things to keep us from sin. That's what he says here in in uh, verse 1 of chapter 2. My little children, I'm writing these things to you that you may not sin. Uh, To keep us from these, these kind of false views that he's just outlined here. Any kind of a view that would promote sin any teaching that would lessen or deny the sinfulness of sin. That's what this book's about, the whole Bible, but what John is writing about and what he's specifically talked about here. He says, I'm writing these things that you may not sin. Um, You can be sure of this. Anything that lessens or denies the sinfulness of sin is not from God. Now, a true believer can sin. But when he does, he's going against the true tenor of his life, what God has done in his heart. He has to go against that to commit sin. And that true believer is not one who habitually lives in that state of sin. When believers sin, they see their sin. That's because they're, they're over in this realm where the light is. They have sight and they see this is bad, this is wrong, this is foolish, this is evil. When a true believer sins, they see it as sinful and they're sorry and they confess and they know then that they have an advocate with the Father. That's what he goes on to say. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. One who would intercede for and plead our case with the Father. That's different, vastly different from being in this realm of darkness where you don't see your sin and you don't bring it to the light. There's, there's two realms, you see, and one you see and the other you don't. Um, this is the way John said it in uh, the Gospel of John. He said... Uh, This is the judgment that the light has come into the world and men loved the darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not, does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. So there's two realms, the realm of light and the realm of darkness, the realm where God is and the realm where the world is. But I do want to emphasize one last thing here. If you're still over in that realm of darkness, 
You don't have to remain there. God has made provision for you or anyone to be transferred from the one realm to the other realm, the realm of darkness into the realm of light. Christ's death is sufficient for anyone who will look to him for forgiveness. That's what John says here. And he himself, that is Christ, is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. His death is sufficient for anyone here tonight or anyone anywhere. It's possible. This is the amazing thing. It's possible to go from that realm of darkness to that realm of light in an instant. It's not possible. It's not possible at all. No way can you walk in this realm here and fellowship in this realm here. That's what John's saying. That's impossible. It is also not possible to live in both realms. You can't do that. It's not possible to live in this realm on Sunday and this realm the rest of the week. It's impossible. Why is that? Because God is light and in Him there's no darkness at all. Well, um, I think I'll close there, but I want to close by reading a song that we have in our hymnal. Uh, And you can follow along if you want to. It's page 60. Eternal light, eternal light, how pure that soul must be. When placed within thy searching sight, it sinks not, but with calm delight can live and look on thee. The spirits that surround thy throne may bear the burning bliss, but surely that is theirs alone who undefiled have never known a fallen world like this. Oh, ah. Oh, how shall I, whose native sphere is dark, whose mind is dim, before the ineffable appear, and on my naked spirit bear the uncreated being? There is a way for man to rise to that sublime abode, an offering and a sacrifice, a Holy Spirit's energies, an advocate with God. These prepare us for the sight of holiness above, the sons of ignorance and night may dwell in the eternal light through the eternal love. Because of God's love for us in Christ, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son.
That's the only way to move from one realm to the other. He who believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. This is the realm of life. That's the realm of death, darkness. Well, I'll, I'll close with that. Maybe there'd be a song someone would have. <clears throat>